What is up with Isaiah Thomas's hip injury? Can the Cavaliers survive if he can't play? How good are the Vegas odds makers over under predictions? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. As always, on Wednesdays, I am pleased to bring in to the show James Hollis, a.k.a. at Snotty Drippin on Twitter. And uh, again, James, glad to have you here uh, on a uh, slightly uneventful you know, Tuesday evening for Wednesday podcast. What's going on? I mean, we know Thursday's coming quick, that uh, Cavs-Boston deal has to get finalized or you know might it might fall to pieces but other than that it's dog days of summer you know how that goes we're arguing oh, yeah. about you know we're, we're arguing kd versus kobe all time and all kind of nonsense we're just having fun oh yeah yeah i mean all sorts of arguments that keep getting rear up you know what's funny is that um uh, well okay we, we will let's hype it now we will we, we're going to do uh, eventually at some point soon a, a russ a rust you and me and russ um podcast uh, but it did come up again. It, it had been a while since anyone had uh, had really kind of gotten on me about it. But so, and I was. I think it's interesting because I almost feel like either a lot of the Russell Westbrook fans who just simply don't follow me anymore on Twitter, um, or um, maybe like I, I, it, it felt like it was kind of quiet last year. I don't think I was on Russ as much as people, you know, as much as I had been in the past this past year, and rightfully so. He had a really great year, so it wasn't like I was sitting here, you know, trying to shit on his on his season. So, but it did feel, and I, every, every once in a while I would, I'd see something that really drives me crazy, and I just feel like it was a lot quieter in the response than it used to be. Well, yeah, because you didn't say anything. But on the on the flip side of that, like I think I did, I did a quick scan, and I think during during Curry's MVP year, you did like twelve videos that you know were related to Curry. And I think during Russ's, uh. you did like you did like four. So, I, coach, I get it, coach. I, I know I, I we we have a, we have starkly different views on Russell Westbrook and his game and and what he means to the NBA. So we definitely should have it out in one episode. All right, we, we will. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> I don't think you treat Russell Westbrook very fairly. All right. Well, by the way, that does bring up a little bit of a uh, well. I, you know, I did. I don't want it to take up too much of ours that I would use for the for the actual pod, but it did come up in a sense of from a coaching standpoint. I, I wanted to kind of relate this because it was hard to explain in a tweet. Um, but like, I, I think the best example I might have is that like I had a player who was a junior who, um, you know, he, he was kind of like Manu um, in a way, lefty, very unconventional, and I was on him uh, the whole year long as a junior, just you know, grinding him and trying to you know get him to play better and smarter and all those different things. And he got through that and he kind of learned. And then by his senior year, he he had you know afforded that kind of leeway to, to I, I didn't have to get on him as much. He understood his role. He was much more consistent and. Um, and, and so I didn't have to, you know, get on him for, for hardly anything for, for, for that reason. I had a new assistant that year who was, like, still trying to scream at him like he was a freshman. And he was getting really frustrated by that. And I had to try and explain to my coach. I'm like, listen, he went through that already. We already did that. And he was consistently, um, you know, he's been, he's, he understands what he needs to do. There's no sense of getting on him. Uh, did that make sense? I, so I almost feel like when we're comparing, like, I'm, I'm much more brutal, like, on Steph versus Russ, part of me kind of feels that way where it's like, you know, on the defensive end, you know, I just feel like Steph Curry is more consistent in his uh, defensive play. So I might not jump on him as much as I might with Russ, who I just see continually doing those things. And I don't know. But see, that, hey, yeah. by the same token, though, if we're saying that you could say, you know, uh, Russ Westbrook's been in the league 10 years now, so he's a senior. So if you're still harping on him, like, you're the assistant coach now. 
instead of appreciating what he does great, you're still harping on the stuff you did the first season. It's not going to change. So I get I get that as a coach, you want to see certain things different fundamentally. But my thing is, like as an NBA fan, as somebody who really appreciates the game and for the warts and all, I appreciate the fact that Russell Westbrook gets things done at a high level, even if it's not quite so efficient. You know, so that's where we differ. Right. I think. Yeah, and by the way, and I'm, and I'm focusing right now on just on the defensive end, which is I think something different because offensively, you're right. There's a lot of things that he can overcome stuff and do things that are unconventional, or you wouldn't want anyone ever to do, and he can still make that shot or still make that pass and, and complete the play. But the defensive end, like, yeah, that there are times when people like call me out for not calling out certain people. I'm like, well, because okay, I saw he got backdoored on that one. All right, it's bad defense. I get it, but. It doesn't happen very often, and for but, whatever reason. So, but yeah. wouldn't that mean that you should bring it up then because it's actually something to report on if it's not if it didn't happen? You see what I'm saying? It's like instead oh, of harping on the yeah. guy who never does it, it seems like you'd be like, oh, and this, is, this doesn't normally happen, but here he is getting beat up. See, so you give guys leeway because yeah. you like them more or you appreciate them more, and well, that doesn't I, seem to be right. Oh, oh, well, listen, this is, the, this is America, but either way, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, that's inter- it's interesting take, and I, and, I, and I guess I can kind of see where you're coming from. I just feel like, no, I mean, listen, it, it's like I, if the guy keeps doing it, it's sort of when I'm like, listen, this, look what this guy keeps doing. You guys are all missing. You know, now part of the reason with the Russ thing is also that there is this myth that he is just a great defender, and that was always sort of. And remember, there's always that there's always the notion that he's a great finisher at the rim, and like you know, the numbers don't really back that up. He's good. He's just not like an elite, amazing finisher. Like the percentages don't show that. So now, and so I, my problem with that—that that was a great video you did about his finishing. My problem with that though is you you slowly went from he's an average to slightly above average finisher. But then it turned into he's a poor finisher for the volume, and so you turn it to a negative. That's my whole point. Oh. You find a way to you find a way to slant the things just enough to to show that you just not. I know you're just not a fan of his game. I get yeah. it, but, but I, I mean, yeah, well, I, yeah. All right, We're, well, let's save this this conversation for later because it's certainly it's a nice teaser for when we do do it soon. So but yeah, I, 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 it's it's we're gonna have a good one. It'll be a really great debate. Don't, well, don't worry, Thunder. Don't worry, Thunder fans. I'm going to stand up for our guy because right. I'm, I'm and, a Russell Westbrook fan. And besides, I, you know, I'm feeling my my Twitter feed is a little bit uh, lean right now, so I I definitely want to try and get some of those uh, Russell Westbrook fans back into the timeline. Uh, I feel like <laughs> you know, just, it's just worth it for for business. You know, Republicans got to buy shoes too. So, um, oh. all right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Isaiah Thomas because. Uh, this thing is, you know, I know we, we've been talking about it a lot, a lot from more of the Kyrie side, it almost feels like in the podcast recently. But, you know, obviously there's this, a lot of stuff going on as far as what was revealed, what wasn't revealed uh, with his hip injury. Um, I think it's fair to say at this point, even just from like the basic reporting, you see that whatever they said about Isaiah Thomas's injury to the Cavaliers wasn't accurate. Uh, I actually read today that, you know, well, and this is obviously two sides of every story. I, coming more from the Boston side, you know, the reporters are saying all reports are this is exactly what we reported. Um, I just I remember reading myself back in June, maybe early July. Danny Ainge was still saying, hey, surgery's still on the table. That We don't know yet exactly how this is going to pan out. Right. So, I mean, it seems like, you know, a quick bleacher report search by the Cleveland Cavaliers. They could have figured out anything they need to figure out. Yeah. And I mean, that's I don't know. We will. Ne- I guess we'll never know the whole story. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think Brad Stevens said the same thing too about surgery wasn't off the table either. I saw like a you know a tweet about it, so I'm assuming, mm-hmm. of course, it must be right. But um, yeah, I think that also. I mean, listen, it's it's perfectly reasonable to say, listen, they they said it, he might need surgery, it's this and that, whatever, and then they finally got the films, and that's a whole different story. Which you don't get the films, you don't get to you know uh, look at the patient until the trade goes down. So sure. uh, yeah, and, and you know, I, I it's funny not to c- compare myself to an, an elite athlete like Isaiah. Thomas, but I, I had hip uh, replacement surgery and hip problems going from when I was in early at, at 22, 23, uh, and dealing with it for for 18 years or so before I finally had surgery. I mean, actually, I think it started, I heard it when I was like 20. So at any rate, um, so I'm sort of familiar, maybe a little bit more than the layman, about what's going on here. And my concern was we had seen reports in December of him injuring his uh, hip, uh, his uh, groin. And mm-hmm. a lot of times when you have a hip injury like I did, when I ended up having you know, bone, bone on bone eventually and it needed surgery, it presents like a groin injury. And I, I thought I tore my groin muscle for a year. And I finally like, called and my doctor said, get me an MRI. I got to know what's going on. I'm like in terrible pain and pain. But I'm playing basketball. You know, not exactly like Isaiah, but I would hurtle headlong into the paint. I'd be pushing it as fast as I could. I mean, I just had no you know, care for my body. And, it, you know, Isaiah is kind of like that. He just goes all out and he's just all over mm-hmm. the place because he has to because he's shorter. So that is my really big concern is that this could very well turn into something, especially when you're talking about this late into after the, the injury, uh, that this could be the kind of thing where he's going to he's leading toward arthritis. He's leading toward a sur- any kind of surgery that's that he could have missed the whole year. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, we don't want to speculate, obviously. Right. And, and, you know, put undue fear into it. But obviously it looks like he's going to miss time to start the season. That's what it sounds like, even, you know. Uh, Steven said the same thing. Brad Stevens before the trade, you know, there's, there's a chance he misses time going into the season. The question is how much, I guess, and maybe it's the Cavs are now thinking it'll be too much. So um, it's it's a it's a dicey situation. And now here's the thing: I just saw an article on this. Let me ask you this: as good as Isaiah is, and as good as he would be this season with LeBron James, let's talk about it. Like, I mean, that that 18 pick is going to be pretty juicy. Jay Crowd is a great player too. Like. If Isaiah misses this whole season, um, what does what does the what do the Celtics have to do to either make this a fair trade? And I mean, is Isaiah even the centerpiece of this trade? What what are we talking here? I mean, it's yeah, I, like because it seems like it's going to happen. Is they're not going to give up anything of a significant value now? Maybe they'll throw a second rounder mm-hmm. in there, right? Um, but if that's the case, I mean, just to take a half step back from that, what are they going to have then? The Cavs are going to have Derrick Rose starting, right? Hmm. So yeah, I, guess, yeah. I just went through, I'm doing a big video on the Knicks and the death of the triangle offense and why it never had anything to do with the triangle. And by the way, it's really revealing that when you really watch a lot of Knicks footage, which I really did, hadn't done, certainly not in one set, sitting. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I think I gave um, some sunshine to Derek Rose the last time we talked. Like, I think maybe he, I thought maybe he had a better year than people thought. But, oh, my God, uh, having gone through, I don't know, about 500 half-court possessions right now today, like, uh-huh. it's not good. Um, and I don't see how he fits in as a starter on that team because you so, need a guy to shoot uh, from that position. And it's really not good. So let me ask you this, and you tell me how wrong I am. He, he wasn't bad getting to the hole. He had tunnel vision. He, uh, he shot a lot of bad, uh, bad mid-range pull-ups, yep. and he didn't really get back defensively. Yeah, and then, by the way, I wasn't even watching the defensive stuff, but yeah, I can kind okay. of see like in the end of the plays and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, offensively, his jump shot is broke. 
It really is just, you know, he shoots uh, his, his uh, torso's in front of his legs. He loses all that energy when he's jumping, and he hangs in the air a lot of the time. It's, it's just nothing. I don't, I mean, at this point of his career, I don't think it's going to improve. I think it is what it is. Uh, he jumps in the air to pass almost every time, which leads to some turnovers. Uh, yeah, the finishing seemed okay. Like, I did see some, like, whoa, that was some nice explosion, whatever, but it's not always. Um, and, and, yeah, it's just not the kind of player they need you know, because he's not going to bring the ball up every single time and get a pick and roll right on top like he was doing a, a, quite a bit of. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I just that frightens me the most. No matter, even if they have Jay Crowder, who's going to help, and they get that pick later, it's, it's you know, for this year, like Jesus, are, the, are they? I don't even know. Do they make the Eastern Conference Finals with Derrick Rose as their starting point guard? Whew. I mean, it depends on how much you think LeBron has in the tank, right? I, I don't. Can LeBron James and Jay Crowder and Kevin Love beat uh, the Washington Wizards? You know, can they can they beat the Toronto Raptors? I uh, yeah, know. I'm thinking of John Wall going up against Derrick Rose. Now, remember, to be <laughs> fair, Isaiah Thomas might be back by then. But then again, okay, picture that. John Wall going up against Isaiah Thomas. I, I mean, he just did it last se- series, and he gave John Wall 50-something points. So, That's right. I mean... Um, that is true. That was that's the weirdest series of all time. I couldn't figure out what's going on because it seemed like the, the, the it seemed like the Wizards should have had it uh, right. Like it kind of felt like they the way they match up and what they had. I I, I don't know what happened there, um, but okay, that's fair enough. Um, so Isaiah was able to do something there, and they and they cover that stuff. Uh, and they'd be better with Jay Crowder just kind of help with rotations and whatever too. So, um, okay, that, that's something there. But you're right. It also depends on LeBron. He, 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 it's a titanic effort by, from him to, to be able to cover for that as well. But I, I don't know, man. It just seems like it would be a whole other ball of wax. I guess my main thing is that with uh, LeBron James-led super teams, right, it seems like there's about a four-year four expiration date where they kind of get tired of each other and LeBron gets the wandering eye. Oh, that's interesting. You know, and, I mean, look, it happened in Miami. Year four was that year where they were kind of stale. Him and, you know, they just seemed to be kind of laboring through the season, and then they got blown out by the Spurs, and then he left. This is year four coming up here with Cleveland, and I, I like that the Isaiah team kind of, uh, you know, shakes up that lineup and gives them a little injection. Jay, Jay Crowder, Isaiah, like, gives a little injection, a reinvigoration of that lineup if Isaiah can come back and be who he used to be. So that's going to be the question. Yeah, and, 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 you know, if the trade doesn't go through, which I suppose is, what do you think the odds are of the trade getting canceled? Uh, just based on just my pure gut, I mean, they've already, they've already invested so much time and energy and effort into it, I feel like it almost has to go through. they got to find a way to make it work because you can't send either one of these players back to their teams and say, hey, man, my bad, let's, let's go ahead and start the season, you know? Right. I mean, yeah, and then in theory, they just get right back on the horn and try and make another trade, right, if that did happen. But, uh, yeah, that just – all right. So, and I hear it. That's, that's how it feels as well. Uh, I, I feel like the Celtics do have a ton of second-rounders. Maybe they throw, like, a couple of them in there or something like that just to kind of get it done. But, uh, you know, th- th- it also felt like, yeah, th- they gave that Nets first-round pick anyway because uh, of the possible Isaiah Thomas injury being more severe than they thought it was going to be. So, um, you know, it's that, yeah, that's why the Celtics are probably already pissed off at all hell, high hell because, you know, they, this is right. Like, they, this is already disclosed. They, they gave more than they should have anyway. So I, I think, right, the Cavs are probably just sort of posturing a little bit and then they're going to make it happen. Uh, but, again, uh, you know, if Isaiah can't get healthy uh, by the playoffs, it's gonna, I, I would be – I don't know what I would do. I, I might have to drive up to Vegas and uh, put some money down against him. 
And speaking of that, I'm reminded that football season is back, which means FanDuel is ready to make each week even more exciting with a chance to cheer for your favorite players and win money doing it. Over 2.5 million players have won cash prizes playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. And you can join their ranks by heading over to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code COACHNICK, all one word. This allows you to try FanDuel for free with no deposit required and get in on a chance to win $10,000. There is something for everyone on FanDuel. Lots of contests to choose from. So sign up now at FanDuel.com, use my code COACHNICK, and get your first free contest. Void where prohibited. I mean, like I said, the fan of me is already going to put down money against them. I don't care if he's healthy or not. I like, I like Boston's depth. I like their versatility. I, the fan of me definitely thinks that they have a shot this year a lot better than they had last year. They do. They do. They, well, they do. And again, if they can gel and all those chemistry questions that the uh, that you have with a completely new roster, and I, I need to go dig into the stats because I feel like uh, we're going to maybe write an article about this. Is I don't think a, a number one seed uh, has ever had this much turnover on a roster from over to the next year. It's crazy. It, four four returning players right now. I think I guess Gerald Green is still kind of he doesn't have a contract. So yeah, that right. that is pretty wild, and it, it does give me pause. You know, it takes a lot to. A lot of reps to build up uh, that kind of chemistry to, to be a, a contender. So we'll, right, we'll right. see, though. I got faith in him. Yeah, and Gerald Green right now is busy driving around Houston saving people. So uh, he's, he's got his hands full, which is uh, – that, that flew by my timeline. And I thought that was, that was pretty amazing. And, and uh, in fact, the whole thing is pretty crazy. Have you seen that, those images of people just saving people on their boats? I have, and that's – you know, it, it, that gives us uh, gives us a little bit of hope for in, a, in some troubled times here in the U.S. right now that, you know, people still look out for each other. And people still go above and beyond. So my thoughts, obviously, you know, coach, same thing. Our thoughts are with the people in Houston right now. Right now, let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Russell Westbrook this one for a second because I'm curious. Aren't you a little bit concerned of just how many people are being saved by local, uh, or not even local, by by every ordinary citizens as opposed to like our government? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. That that's it's. It's both inspiring and kind of troubling and damning. You know, it, right. it, it doesn't speak well to to where we are right now. So we're yeah, we're not going to dive into a, a deep political kind <laughs> right. of conversation. But I mean, let's yeah. be real. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm waiting. There's was, probably someone doing some reporting right now who's going to find out that it's like, I, you know, that's why it's very heartwarming and heroic and incredible. Uh, however, it's like I I, I kind of want to see the professionals in there who really know how to do this and you know and, and go in there and, and safely ferry people out of there and stuff. It's crazy. So at any rate, um, we shall see how that plays out. I wish everyone the best in Houston uh, and all those areas around there. It's going to hit them again, it sounds like. So uh, just, you know, hopefully it's not as bad and uh, it's where the worst is over. So, um, well, let's let's move on in, in, in a way that we can to um, some other news in the NBA. I suppose we, you want to talk about the over-under that's came, come out from Vegas recently? Yeah, it's always interesting to look at the over-unders. Um, I don't know if I have it in me to do like a full – I was thinking about writing something about this uh, for BYBreakdown.com. I, I don't know if I have it in me to do a full breakdown, but maybe pick out a few of the most more like noticeable ones and, and, and maybe – you know, I'm looking right now at who I see they could just, they're just way off on. Um, yeah, who do like, you think? Like, let me ask you. Golden State, they got, they got their over-under at 60, 67.5. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, it depends on what they're going to do because they already went through a, a season of 73 wins, didn't win the t- championship that way. And, uh, you know, whether or not they value uh, making another huge run at an amazing record. That said, they're going to make an assault on that anyway just by virtue of all the talent that they have. Because remember, they improved arguably more than anybody else, and they already had the best team maybe of all time. So, um, you know, I, I would have to imagine, I mean, they're going to win at least – I mean, you got to say it's 65, don't you? I think they can almost walk their way to 70, like no problem. I'd almost be hitting that over. Even if they take their time and they don't push for it and they kind of rest. I mean, I think Durant missed, what, 20 games last season? Yeah. You know, that's a big chunk of games. It took them a while to adjust without him. So let's say he stays relatively healthy and, and, you know, the big four stay relatively healthy. I think they can almost moonwalk to 70 wins. Yeah, I hear you. And they're going to really make sure they give uh, Iguodala rest and uh, Livingston rest. But that means you're going to give some more time to guys like McCaw, who looks to me ready to go and fill that role really well. Um, and then yeah, they already have guys who are going to come in like Omri Caspi. And, um, and even like Jordan Bell looks like he could be a guy who can you know follow right in Draymond's steps. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, you're right. I, it, you know, uh, it's interesting. I, I don't know if I would say over. It's just, that's really tough. That's a, that's a real razor, uh, you know, hard to, to, to go over. But uh, I hear you loud and clear. It's going to be it's going to be really close if not. So I, I might I might say six, seven and a half. I might say under, but it's going to be close. But I hear you over. Uh, that's that's interesting. What else grabs you? Uh, what else do I like to look here? Uh, let's see what else we got. It's I don't know. There's some good ones. Miami last year won 41. They got them at 42 and a half. Uh, do you think the Heat, the Heat make the playoffs this year pretty easily? And, and is that is that a little low? 42 and a half. Uh, you know, it's very intriguing. Um, we're, wait, I got to remind myself who they who do they add this offseason so far? Only uh, Kelly Olynyk. Oh and yeah. And then they brought back they brought back Dion. They brought back James Johnson. Uh, so they they're basically running it back with uh, you know they added Kelly as a backup. Yeah, no, I I like their got their team. Obviously, health is going to be a big deal. Um, but coming back and having more, I would agree they're going to win more games. I would say they're probably going to win maybe like four more games instead of like was it one more game? So yeah, th- right. that should be the playoffs easily. I mean, they, they, right now with the over under here, they're going to be sixth uh, in the East, and that sounds really reasonable. Um, it's going to be intriguing because even a team like Milwaukee, where they're over and under, they, they have a fifth in the in the Eastern Conference with. Um, uh, 44 and a half wins. Now that's interesting because I think that they're poised uh, to do bigger and better things. The only problem is I think Jabari Parker isn't going to be ready until later in the season, right? That's correct. I'm, I guess I heard around January, February time frame. Yeah. The thing about that is they, they, yeah, yeah. they took off once he got hurt. He, they actually oh, right. started doing better when, when Middleton hit the lineup and, and Jabari got hurt that same game where they kind of they found their footing there. And that's you know one of those odd kind of things. It is true. Um, it is true. But, you know, it's, talent always helps. But, yeah. So I, I would think that maybe it's a little bit low for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think I agree with you. I, I wish, you know what, we did, we did, we're doing our, our listeners a disservice. We didn't look it up to see how many they won last year to oh, kind of well, compare it. We can do that really quickly. I mean, I can grab it, the standings from last year. So last year, the Milwaukee Bucks won 42 games. Okay. So I uh, see that. <sighs> now they're saying what, four, what four what do they really add, though? You know, they uh, they got they got you know Thon's going to be a second year, so he should be a little more productive and a little better. Um, the whole year of Middleton, that's going to help. He came it back, really you know, I think he missed. So that's uh, I think maybe more than two games, right? Yeah, it's probably a little low. I think it might be a little low. 
Yeah, no, I think so too. I think they, I think they're going to win a few more of the games. Again, it, it could be razor thin. I, I have a feeling that the fifth through eighth spots are going to be really bunched up, and that's what we see even in the over unders right now. Um, and that's that's okay. It should give us a really exciting end of the season in that stretch to see who's going to get where. And then you know, like it, it kind of feels like uh, no one's really talked too much about it now, but. Um, you know, it's Cleveland kind of tanked the end of the season, I felt like, to avoid Washington. It kind of felt that way, although they kind of got buried amongst all the other stories. But did you feel that way? Um, I, I don't believe that a team like Cleveland would try to duck another team. So I, I have a hard time believing that. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I'll trust that, you know, I'll trust your word on if you think you saw it. I, don't, I think they just really just did not care. I think they didn't care until they reached the playoffs and they said, okay, let's care now. All right, because, so you know, that, that, the ending of the season for Cleveland wasn't great. That's what allowed the Celtics to take the number one spot. Just, you know, and it, it could very well have just been that, that they lost those games or whatever, but it just seemed to me that their defense in the transition, which I'm sure everyone knew, I mean, we were harping on it all year long, like the only team that could threaten them in that situation would have been John Wall-led, you know, and, and – um, uh, Bradley Beal, those guys running down the court fast and killing them. And I think, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, it, there's, there's an interesting argument for that. And it worked for him, so whether or not they meant to do it. But uh, it'll be interesting. And that's why it'll be fascinating because as that thing gets bunched up down there, you know, you have to imagine that there will be some attention to that paid by Cleveland and Boston, or maybe not Boston as much, but certainly those matchups. Now, another thing we're talking about, while we're, we're, to hinge back to what we were talking about earlier, the, the Cavaliers and the and the trade and the pick, I mean, right now, Brooklyn, I, I don't see – people are saying that Brooklyn might be better than people think, and I don't see it. Right now, their over-under is 20, and then teams like Atlanta is 34, the Bulls are 28. And, you know, that, that, that's, that seems almost like to make sense to me. Am I, am, I, am I crazy here? Because one of the theories is that Danny Ainge believes the Nets are going to be better than – and the, the pick's going to be like, you know, 7-8 range, and that's why he was, he was all right with flipping that pick. I'm looking at the the Brooklyn uh, roster and the rest of the East. I don't know if I see that. Well, here's the interesting thing about Brooklyn because um, I hadn't. I honestly, I really didn't watch too much of them at all last year. But I did I don't get. Blame a, you. What's that? Did I don't you? blame you at all. They oh, were right. very good. Well, but I'd heard stuff about oh, they're doing some grid space and pace offense, and they're doing this and stuff, whatever. And I was like, all right. So I, I did have the occasion this summer to go through a whole bunch of uh, shots by one of their players. And I was startled by how bad it was. Like their offense was just a haphazard. Just I don't. I couldn't even. I didn't even recognize what they were doing. So it's really frustrating. I'm wondering, like, does the coach know what he's doing? Now I know maybe they're not. And they were not incentivized to lose either because they didn't have that pick. But still. So the question now is, you know, even playing the way they played, if you improve the um, talent level, then you are going to win some more games. It might not be like a Brad Seaman squeezes an extra. He'll give you three wins just by him there, right? By squeezing extra plays at the end of the games, whatever. So I don't know if Atkinson's that kind of guy. But at the very least, they won 20 games last year. They, mm-hmm. they're, Yeah, they're, right now they're picking them at 20 and a half again this year. That, I think that's silly. I think that they will win more games this year. I mean, I love what they did as far as adding Alan Crabb. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has a chance to prove himself with a chip on his shoulder. I would imagine he's going to be better than he was. Uh, and that's already a big improvement. Now, I know they, they lost uh, Lopez, but... Um, you know, I don't know. I, they could probably, you know, match that with some high energy rebounding and some good defense and, and make up for it. So I, I think that that's off. I feel like the Nuggets will win. I mean, the Nets will win, um, you know, 25 games, 24 games, 25, right? I don't know. But I think Brooke Lopez, like you said, sure, they lost him and they replaced him with some other perimeter talent. 
But he was really good last year. I think he averaged over like 20 and 6, you know, 20. He's not never a strong rebounder, but he was shooting threes. He used his size around the rim to, you know, sure, they weren't a great defensive team at all. But, you know, he was he was a good player on a terrible team. And um, they, I, I don't know if the additions of a role player like Alan Crabb, and I don't know if D'Angelo Russell's ready to turn into that kind of player yet. Right. I will give you this, though. If Jeremy Lin can stay healthy, then, you know, they definitely should be better than they were last year. I don't know if they're going to be four or five games better. Right. And, and, and Mozgov is there. And I, I, I listen, I've been kind of waiting for Mozgov to finally, like, show uh, a consistent uh, ability where he's showing, you know, flashes. I mean, there were moments in that finals when, with Cleveland where he was really good and he was really hurting the Warriors. And so, um, you know, but then again, right, so what would he give you? At best, he's going to give you, what, maybe like 10 points and, uh, and nine rebounds, right, in a, in a block or so that, at best. For sure. Now, so that's about yeah. half of what you get uh, from, from Lopez or whatever, right, or something like that. So, uh, yeah, you're right. That's going to be an issue because as you're looking at their, um, their roster, they really don't have any other centers, um, you know, which is kind of maybe okay. They can come. Oh, by the way, they also have Damari Carroll. If he can stay on the court, he hasn't really been healthy his last two or three years with his time right. in Toronto, right? So that's yeah. going to be a, the big thing to watch with him. And then when he's on the court, let's see how effective he was. I don't think he was very effective at all in Toronto. Yeah. He was always kind of working back from injury. So this is a year for him, I guess, to get back on track. Um, yeah. And he was and also the coach, best player in the Hawks, uh, the number one seed on the Hawks of that a couple of years ago. Uh, he was very, he was one, maybe the most vital piece because he was that defensive three wing. But don't forget, they still had Paul Millsap in. And Al Horford there, so I don't know if he was the best. He was up there. He was good. Right. I mean, I mean was, yeah, and as far as production, he was scoring about 20 a game, and they're, like, they're pretty much their best defender, and uh, then he went down. That was brutal for them. So, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of tantalizing stuff here where, I mean, crap, if Damari is healthy and so is Jeremy Lin and they get that whole roster going, they, they can win. That, that's going to really screw up uh, that pick uh, for, the, for the Cavs. Think so? What do you, th- what do you think, let's say, the, in the best-case scenario for the Nets, where does that pick end? Right, because you're right. Twenty games, like even if they improve five games, they're still that's still the second worst record in the league. So you're right; it's still a good shot. But yeah, so they'd have to get to like thirty wins to make that a real problem, where you have you have six, seven teams in front of them, and uh, I, you know that seems like a stretch. But I don't know. I feel like if they're all healthy, they could kind of they, they would probably be in the running to get close to thirty. I would say, which is terrible, but wow, still, okay. you know, it's still. I mean, I, I, you know, think about it. I'll say it. As a Celtics fan, I would love for that to happen. I love for the pick to turn to something that's not very, not, not very useful to Cleveland. Are you I'll admit that. Cavaliers so, fan? Does that mean is that what you're saying? I, I just well, I, I hated them moving the pick. I hated Boston moving the pick because, like yeah. I said, Danny Ainge held onto that pick like Scrooge McDuck holds onto a, a quarter for years, and all of a sudden to toss it in with you know other really good assets for Kyrie Irving. That was kind of a weird thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, then this also brings us to the Western Conference where we should talk a little bit about, like, you know, there there are going to be some teams that are going to improve. It seems pretty clear. And obviously, if, if that happens, then someone's going to have to drop down. And uh, it's a real interesting conundrum because there are teams that are going to not make the playoffs that, are, that should probably merit it. And it will probably be significantly better than the eighth spot in the East. Uh, it's, it's really tough because, I mean, Memphis is yearly is a perennial playoff team, and this might be the year they're abandoning grit and grind. Uh, Portland, I, I like Portland, but I think moving Crab is going to hurt them more than we know. He was at their, probably their best shooter, and he opened up the floor for Dame and CJ, and he's gone. They never replaced with anybody. 
Uh, New Orleans, and, and we all know that, uh, sure, Solomon Hill is just a role player, but he was that kind of glue guy for them. Even if he's not a great shooter, he was that, that, three, that, that, that uh, wing for them. And he's out now. He's probably going to miss the season, they're saying. So yeah. that's going to really be a blow to their lineups. Los Angeles, we're not sure what they have in Los Angeles yet, right? They're, they lost Chris Paul, but they got a lot of – we're going to see almost like the Ewing theory. They lost Chris Paul, but they replaced him with a bunch of role players. Let's see if Blake Griffin can step up. So it's uh, – yeah, I think the bottom half of the West is going to be very interesting this year. Yeah. Now, they, the, the, uh, the Vegas has Denver in the sixth spot uh, with 43-and-a-half wins. And last year they won 40, and they, they, they missed the playoffs narrowly. So um, that seems to be the biggest team that they feel like is going to improve the most. It looks like i got to compare some more. But that, that's uh, an interesting team. And you're right. Like, there's your Millsap uh, – right there for you with a with a good coach and a nice promising nucleus uh what do you think you think denver is gonna make that big of a run i don't know if it'll be that big a run i do think they're they're much improved i, I think paul milstaff is like on the border as a borderline superstar sure he's not lebron james he's not you know he's not uh kevin durant he's not steph curry but he he has really no holes in his offensive game and he's still a strong defender even if he's getting a little older my whole problem with Denver as a whole, though, is the team defense. If Jokic is your center, not a good defender, he's not a strong defender, that's going to kind of, you know, it's going to kind of hemorrhage everywhere else. So that's going to be interesting to see with, with Denver. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, hey, do you want to get into it again about uh, what a superstar is? Sure. We talk a little bit about what a superstar yeah, I mean, is. We, have, we got a couple minutes here. We can talk about it because, uh, you know, I know Mark Cuban made some waves, and I'm trying to get him on the show to talk about it too. But, uh, you know, here's my take. I think that because people I know, I got into it on, on Twitter with some people, and it was really frustrating because it's, it's such a there's a, people get so dumb sometimes. But basically, the idea is that you got to have the I think you need to have the um, uh, the commercial appeal. You know, you need to be able mm-hmm. to have that that smile and that that charisma and that you know and those commercials that really capture that. So like Blake Griffin, for instance has that for the superstar stats. Now, I don't know if he's played that as the superstar level or not, but if you're talking about like like Kyrie, uh, Kawhi, for instance, doesn't really have that. So I would say he's a top three player in the league. He's a star, but I don't know if I'd put him as a superstar. You know what I mean? I See, and that's, I, I don't like – this is why I have a problem with that definition because by this definition, Tim Duncan is a Hall of Famer, all-time greatest power forward ever, but not a superstar. And that just doesn't work for me. I think I Tim Duncan would have no problem saying that, too. He probably would have been like, I, I, right? I, 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 but it doesn't matter. It's not what Tim Duncan thinks. It's what we all think, I guess, right? Right. And so I'd like to, for you to tell me Tim Duncan wasn't a superstar in his prime, that's just, that doesn't make any sense. And I get it, though. That's the, a lot of people use off-court uh, popularity as part of their superstar predictions. I don't think so. I think it's when I say superstar, I'm talking about on court production. I'm talking about there's a handful of players who you put them on any team and you're going to go, you know, probably deep into the playoffs. And that's why LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard are my bona fide, no doubt superstars. Um, and hey, I'm the biggest Russ fan out there. You know this, coach. But still, I say Russell Westbrook and James Harden are borderline superstars because while they can, they bring it. I, marketing, they both bring it, right? I think uh, Westbrook had one like the top, you know, five selling jerseys in the league this year. Uh, I still think I know that they both sometimes have flaws in their games. We both saw it, right? Against uh, against Houston, OKC, Russ just could not really put his team on his back and get things done that he need. Hey, he did everything he could. I get it. Against the Spurs, when Houston definitely should have won, you know, uh, when when Kawhi went out, James Harden couldn't get it done. There. So I say they're borderline superstars because regular season they both 
bring everything you need. We kind of didn't, you know, I, I, I give them on the cusp of superstardom. So, yeah, yeah there's oh, four really, bona fide superstars. That, that's hilarious. It's funny because, like, I, Russell Westbrook, in my mind, would be a top, top superstar because his commercials are that good. Because I, I kind of use Michael Jordan as sort of the, the poster child for this because he had that charisma that people just wanted to, you know, be near him. And he, and he, and he would do these great commercials and you'd just be, like, uh, um, you know, uh, riveted by him. And I, I got to tell you, that the, the, Russell, the Russell Westbrook commercials are amazing. Amazing when he what was the one where the guy drinks and then his shirt becomes uh, really ugly and he goes what does he say to him that's so hilarious um, that's whack dude whatever he says you know what I mean after he's done <laughs> drinking the Mountain Dew I mean or when he's when he's gliding across the um, the pavement and into the club or whatever and he's those are awesome like that that is superstar and then you know throwing the fact that he averaged triple double that that is that puts him right in there James Harden too because James Harden has some funny stuff as well. Um, I don't know. And then, you know, so I, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, Kawhi and Tim Duncan, those guys are don't quite get into that category. And the funny thing is, I don't think either of those guys would care. Well, so let me ask you this. Let's say Michael Jordan was just a quiet guy and he didn't have the Jordans, but he played the exact same way. Are you telling me you, he wouldn't be a, an NBA superstar? People would tune in to see him every game. But, I mean, just because he doesn't, he wouldn't smile and make commercials – that that just doesn't seem right to me. No, I know. it's not fair, right? It's not Kawhi Leonard is a quiet guy. He doesn't have that charisma. It's, it's not you know. It's just people are born with it, or you know. Or I mean, I guess you can kind of get it coaxed out of you or something. But you're right. It's not fair. I, I guess I can't look at it that way because Michael Jordan was that way, and he set the standard. And that's sort of what I'm, I want to hold up people to do because you know, a superstar has to. You have to have some standard there. I mean, listen, yeah, Tim Duncan. I have no problem, you know, in, in my way acknowledging that that Tim Duncan was a top five player of all time or top eight player of all time whatever he is right uh Kawhi's top three player in the league right now uh and I they're ble- ble- and they, the dumbest thing about this is people are yelling at me like I'm not I don't believe Kawhi is any good I'm the, I was on Kawhi Island before anybody I mean I, I was a guy saying you you know after right when he went to the the, the Spurs I was like this guy is going to be uh a, a t- average 25 a game and no one believed me and uh, here we are. So I, I you know, I, I guess it's weird. I know it's hard uh, to, to process those two things. That's that's how I see it. I, did, I, I it's hard for me to make the theoretical that Michael wouldn't have been that way, and I wouldn't consider him a superstar. The bottom line is he set that standard, and that's sort of what I hold people to, I guess. So is Nick Young a superstar? Nick Nick Young is one of the most Hollywood guys out there, and yes. he's well known for. Charisma. He's not. You're not calling Nick Young a superstar, right. are you? No. And this is the dumb argument I had on Twitter with people because, of course, not. He doesn't play like you. Got to have the play as well. You can't just have the charisma and the uh, the commercials because that doesn't count. You got to have the triple double average and the charisma combined, right? Can you follow that, Coach? You're a wild guy, man. What like, you know? I mean, that, that <laughs> seems reasonable to me, right? That, that's why I understand. Like that's like saying, well, we can't allow. Well, this is not like saying this, but anyway, oh boy, I'm not going to get in trouble. But like when people say we can't have gay marriage because then what's going to happen? Next thing you know, someone's going to want to marry a dog, you know, or, or marry some sort of animal. I'm like, no, it's not what that means at all. But same, I don't know, it's not the same idea, but this notion of like. That was a, <laughs> that know, was you gotta a have very both. good analogy. It was not a close analogy, never mind. But the idea being that like, yeah, of course Nick Young is a superstar because he doesn't play like one. And you got to you got to start there, and then we can kind of go and see how we go. Now, the other thing that's interesting is is the shoe sales because you know that is a little is less connected to charisma and commercial appeal and all that stuff, or jersey sales. And you know, certainly Kawhi, I think right, he's way up there, isn't he, with jersey sale jersey. Uh- uh, probably. I, I, I haven't looked at his numbers, but I mean, I, I don't think he like. So Ky, I know Kyrie Irving's like a top five jersey sales and sneaker guy. So that's a superstar. 
okay, now there's now Kyrie is a great thing, right? Because no one does better commercials than him, right? The Uncle Drew stuff is awesome, and he's like like an actor. He almost could be an actor, right? Like you know, he knows how to do that. And I mean, I don't know. The dude is what was he top six in scoring this year? It has oh, yeah, all world great. ability in the basket. Um, doesn't you know? You get the assist. So I don't know. I mean, you, you gotta. He's got to be close, right? You don't think Kawhi <sighs> Irving is close to being a superstar? No, he's not. Because he, I mean, we, I, I get it. He's a very good player, but we know his flaws. He doesn't play defense, and obviously, I mean, playing with LeBron James masks a lot of his issues. I say this: Kyrie Irving was that weapon you could deploy in the finals. He's not the guy to get you to the finals. That was LeBron James. To me, that matters. That matters that he's been he's more of a supplementary player than than a big gun. I don't know, dude. I, won, he I won Game know. Seven. Okay, but how did he get? Time? How did he get to Game Seven? Who who did all the other work? You right. know what I'm saying? Oh. Like I, I can't. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, no, he did no, some no. serious serious work as well, right? Like I know the no, bronze numbers did. were great, but well, so were did. you know so were Kyrie's. Hey, uh, those first no, those first three games he was non-existent. So what are we doing? You see what I'm saying? You can't ignore the fact he was almost non-existent the first three games of that series, and then well, he, he, okay. he woke up and got game. Well, four. LeBron was was not was not non-existent, but he wasn't very good either in those first three games. Either, oh no so. no no! Don't get me started. We 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 can break down that series too because LeBron was pretty solid that whole series. LeBron was LeBron that whole series. He kicked it up a notch and went supernova those final three or four games. But no, he was very good that series. He, I have to go back and remember my, remind myself. But as I remember doing that breakdown, at when when uh, when Draymond got suspended and that game five opened up all the pick and roll for him, that that's the supernova. But geez, as I remember, his defense was really bad the first few games, and uh, I think I did a video on it. And then and then um, I mean maybe what do you want to say his numbers were like what he was averaging twenty eight and ten and seven or something like that, something like something really good. I mean. It's something really, really right, good, something like that. All right, well, we'll 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 save it for the next one. We can look at it again because that that can piggyback on our Russ uh, video. We get all our we have get all our research in line and in, in order to to go at it. So, well, well, uh, James, great stuff. Um, you know, as always, looking forward to every Wednesday. I know people really love these things. Uh, you and I going at it too. It's always nice. You know, Dave and I are much more uh, are, are way too um, uh, civil to each other. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to try and, and tap into that some more. Maybe we'll end up being like. Uh, uh, we can do our version of Nick Wright and um, Colin Cowherd or something. No, I, say, hey, you know what? Hey, Nick Wright, I hope you watch, listen to this, man. I, I really respect what you do, my brother. But, yeah, neither one of us could be Colin Cowherd because neither one of us are, are – both of us have a lot of NBA smarts, so we'll never be that level. Right. All right. Well, listen. I hey, I, I finally got someone to give me. I'm one step above uh, Bayless and, and Coward. Like, I go, like <laughs> I'll take it. That's great. As long as I'm above them. So anyhow, well, uh, you are uh, way above them. You're going to get Nick on your on your podcast, aren't you? I hope so. Yeah, Nick. I mean, I, I haven't talked to him about it yet, but um, yeah, I, I'll reach out to him. I'd love to have him on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have to all tune into it, hear how that goes, and you can definitely you should engage him on the Kawhi thing because I know I didn't even I took my gloves off on that one. I don't know why I was being a gracious host, I suppose, but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, get it, get on it. So uh, anyway, great stuff. Thanks for coming on, James, and uh, we will see you over on Twitter, and then next week uh, we'll be right back at it. Me and you, coach, we're gonna go at it. Let's rumble. All Thanks right, have me on. And don't forget, sports fans, the people breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. Are you in, James? Coach, I'm in.